The Politocrat is brought to you by the great people at Anchor. Anchor is such a great place to go if you want to get started in podcasting. And it's easy and it's free. Anchor, marvelous stuff, marvelous. And I'm so grateful to the folks at Anchor for getting me going with The Politocrat. If you want to get going and be heard on Apple, on Spotify and everywhere podcasts can be, Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome to another edition of The Politocrat. I'm Omar Moore. It is Friday, April the 17th, 2020. And I can't believe it's Friday. It doesn't even feel like Friday, does it? I don't know about you, but it doesn't feel at all like any day. You lose track, of course, when you are behind closed doors, or if you're not behind closed doors, you are out of a routine that you are accustomed to. So again, I just want to say that I... Hope that you are coping with this as best you can. I know several people who have this virus or who certainly have symptoms of it. And it is going to be a long haul for all of us. And if you know somebody who has this virus, make sure that you connect and reach out to them and just listen to them. I think that at this time we need to listen more. We need more compassion, we need more love, we need more empathy and care and respect and consideration of each other. And my hope, as I keep saying, is that this will continue on beyond this pandemic when this pandemic is over with. My condolences to everybody who has lost somebody due to this virus or for any other reason, quite frankly. So those words are the ones I start with. I'm going to go to headlines now, but I want to say that this is not made for the happiest of reading. I mean, I think these stories are important. And even though many of them are not positive, I just think it's important that people are aware of these kinds of stories because I think they are important, even if they aren't uplifting. I'm going to be getting, though, to uplifting things in this episode. So there is that to look forward to. According to various published reports, at least 300,000 people are expected to die on the African continent. Those are published reports in various outlets, including the Associated Press. And these are headlines from the last 12 hours or so, 12 to 24 hours, in case that you had missed them or were away 
or shielding yourself from all of this news because actually it's not necessarily the worst thing in the world to do. But I also think it is important to still connect to some of the things that are going on around us in this world that we're living in. In India, the most draconian crackdown now, in an episode of this podcast yesterday, I talked about how Kenya had been what the deadliest place because on the planet because of what the police were doing. They were literally killing people who were outside of their homes. You're defying the crackdown. Well, you're going to pay for it with your life. That was the approach of police in Kenya. And I talked about that in an episode yesterday. Well, in India, population 1.3 billion people with about about 770... uh, Jeez, let me start that again. India with a population of 2.3 billion people people has a population density of about 77,000 people per square mile. And I may be off by one zero there. It might be 770,000 per square mile now has a very severe crackdown going on, a lockdown that's very severe. I think I hinted about this yesterday or the day before. The dictator, and that's who he is, Narendra Modi, has enforced a very, very strict crackdown, a lockdown that means that people can only go outside for food that's the only thing they can go outside for. And the average person in India makes about a dollar fifty cents a day, if that. There is no other reason in India under Modi that people will be able to go outside. No exercise, no school, no playgrounds, no walks, really nothing. You only can go outside for food. And if there is a medical emergency, I guess. That is according to, again, the Associated Press. Very, very difficult times in India. The economy... Everything in India now, it's a very difficult situation there, as it is all over the world. But China as well, even China, who right now, let's face it, is the preeminent economic superpower on the planet. The United States of America may well be the richest country on Earth, but it has arguably the most unhealthy economy on Earth. Certainly is not the best economy And it's not the strongest either. I mean, all the lies that you're hearing from Trump, of course, telling you that, oh, this greatest economy ever. No, 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 no. Not quite. 
In fact, far from quite. So China, which is, if I would like to remind you, and I would like to remind you, is the preeminent now economic superpower in the world. Their economy shrank for the first time since 1976. That's 44 years ago, during the oil crisis, the OPEC crisis, the economic crisis that was going on, and the oil crisis in the 1970s, 1976 in particular. The economy in the first quarter of this year in China shrank by 6.8%. That's according to the South China Morning Post. Staggering drop for China. According to Sky News, six waves of coronavirus are expected in the course of the next year in the United Kingdom. That's according to scientists that the Sky News report was quoting. Six waves of coronavirus coming during the course of the next year in the UK. Quite frankly, I don't know how any lockdown is going to be eased in the UK when all we are hearing from there, from Dominic Robb, from Matt Hancock, from Chris Whitty, who is the chief medical officer, Dominic Ham- Dominic Robb is the, uh, for all intents and purposes now, the deputy prime minister, but he's the foreign secretary. And Matt Hancock, as you know, is the health secretary. I've talked about Matt Hancock in previous episodes. And there is no sign of that lockdown being lifted in the UK, by the way. No sign of it. It's been extended, if anything, and certainly into May, into the middle of May, toward the end of May. That is the latest out of the UK, and then they may extend it some more. So it's really asinine to think that you've got Donald Trump out there saying, oh, here's a plan that states can follow to to start easing things. Well, that's not going to happen. That's all a show and a bunch of lies. There are over 14,576 people in the United Kingdom who've lost their lives to this coronavirus. There is no way, and those numbers are continuing to rise daily. There is no way that that lockdown will be lifted. And there's testing. The testing that the UK is doing, by the way, 20,000 a day still. Matt Hancock was saying that, oh, by May, we'll get to 100,000 a day. Well, we are past the halfway point of April and still in the United Kingdom, they are barely at 20,000 people a day being tested. Factor in the fact that the numbers are being underreported because obviously there are other numbers that aren't being picked up. And in China, as I just alluded to China, but as in China, they have had to add over almost 1,300 people to their total of dead. 
because apparently there are uh, there was a, a a very severe undercount of people in the Wuhan province who had passed away from this virus. So they've had to add nearly thirteen hundred people to their total, twelve hundred ninety to their total of people dead. Carnival cruise ships, a nightmare scenario there. It wasn't even a scenario, it was an actual. Carnival cruise ships, new, according to a report in Bloomberg Businessweek, absolutely new that there was a virus spreading. And what they chose to do is continue to let Parties go on, mass gatherings go on on their cruise ship. Sure, you know, the executives at Carnival, they knew there was a virus problem, but yeah, you know, that's okay. Keep going. This is an article from Austin Carr and Chris Palmieri. This is from Bloomberg Businessweek. The title, Carnival Executives Knew They Had a Virus Problem But Kept the Party Going. Subtitle, More Than 1,500 People on the Company's Cruise Ships Have Been Diagnosed with COVID-19 and Dozens Have Died. This is a long article. I do recommend that you read it. You can listen to the article as well as, uh, in terms of listening, 24 minutes worth. Still uh, recommended. Lawsuits are flying left and right. I mean, I could go into some of this. It makes for grim reading. And my goodness me, it is not pretty if you read this article. This is the Grand Princess cruise ship. This is what this is what the subject of this story is from Carnival, the Grand Princess. This is actually the cruise ship that was that had left from San Francisco, here in San Francisco, to Hawaii. And I mean, the article goes into things like, well, you know, you know, soon after they, they noticed, you know, this is in March of this year. So, you know, there was crew members, you know, passengers rather, noticed these new hand sanitizer stations and crew members wearing gloves. But there was no warning to any of the people on board this cruise. And then suddenly on the 5th of March, there was an announcement of a quarantine. And there were 2,422 passengers on board. I'm going to leave it there. I, I'm telling you, this article is heartbreaking. And it leaves you, quite frankly, shaking with anger. And of course, as you would expect, lawsuits are in full effect. And I think they should absolutely bankrupt Carnival. Which I would call Cannibal. I would rename them Cannibal. I hope they're not getting money. 
I hope that that two trillion dollar package, that CARES Act that got passed last month, I hope that they are not. I hope that Carnival cruise ships are not receiving or is not receiving, I certainly hope, money out of this. I really hope they're not. Not after what they have done with these passengers. Michael Cohen, you remember him here in the U.S. Michael Cohen, who, of course, was the quote unquote fixer for Donald Trump for at least 10 years and then testified against him, as you remember, to various uh, investigations and obviously in public in a congressional hearing last year. Is to be released from prison into home confinement According to the Associated Press, no word on when that's exactly going to happen, but it is going to happen. And this is all due to the coronavirus. He will be serving the rest of his sentence at home and his sentence ends November of 2021. There are other high profile people being released from prison, but my question is, what about the rest of the people who are in prison? detainees and other prisoners, are they being released across the country? I mean, I know they are in New York. Cuomo's releasing some of them, has released some of them after a lot of protests. It wasn't that Andrew Cuomo, the governor of New York, just had a nice uh, wake up and said, oh, I'm going to just yawn, yawn, stretch my arms, and I'm going to now release detainees and prisoners. No, no, that was because of a lot of pressure from activists and other people who really cared about the rights and the human rights of detainees. Because prisoners do have rights. They may have a truncation of their rights, but they still have human rights. And those, even those from prisoners, cannot be violated. Of course, they routinely are. But that's my question now. Are the other day detainees and people in prisons going to be released across the country? Because it is a public health emergency, as it is everywhere. There was a a story in the Associated Press about an, uh, I guess, an undocumented immigrant who had been so weak from COVID-19 and he was forced to call in and speak and talk and walk and all kinds of stuff. I think he was supposed to make an appearance or something. He was forced to participate. Here in the U.S., uh, in a court hearing, I just, not a good look. California Governor Gavin Newsom, by the way, will be giving immigrants $125 million in relief as a result of this COVID-19 pandemic that was announced yesterday during his daily press briefing. The California governor has said that documented and undocumented immigrants will be receiving this money. 
which amounts to a total of 125 million. He cited in his press conference, did Gavin Newsom yesterday, the governor of California, that 10% of the workforce in California is made up of undocumented immigrants. Many of them prepare your food. They obviously clean your homes here in California. You know that very well if you are someone who hires cleaners. They wipe down everything in your house. They they mow your lawn. They water your lawn. They trim your bushes if you have a garden. I mean, they, that is all, you know, that's all undocumented immigrants doing that work for the most part. Restaurants, deliveries, that's mostly undocumented immigrants. And if it were not for the undocumented, and there's so many other fields that they are in, here in California, but elsewhere, if it wasn't for them, you know, a lot of the United States would be at a standstill. So California Governor Gavin Newsom recognizes that, yes, the undocumented and documented immigrants should be taken care of as well financially during these times. And who can argue with that except a racist or a Trump supporter? I mean, the undocumented pay taxes. $2.5 billion in local and state taxes in California, according to Governor Newsom. That's the undocumented. So they do pay local and state taxes. The plan is to have $500 in individual assistance and $1,000 in household assistance to Immigrants, undocumented or otherwise. Meanwhile, the Los Angeles Times talks about the situation with undercounting in hospitals and how many healthcare workers in hospitals are affected, infected by this virus. Remember, yesterday I did an episode about nurses on the front lines and how we must help nurses, and I continue to say that we must advocate for nurses, for doctors as well, but for nurses who really have been under a lot of strain. Obviously, doctors have too. Nurses need PPE. And again, I want to say that you should call, if you're here in the US or even if you're not, call 202-335-6015. That's a really important phone number. 202-335-6015. And what you do there is you tell senators specifically that you want them to advocate and get PPE to nurses all over the country. As I told you yesterday, you know, you have nurses who are absolutely in need of your help. I mean, people have lost their jobs because they've been asked. They've been told that their choice is work without a mask to protect yourself when you're dealing with COVID-19 patients or lose your job. 
That's what many nurses across this country have been told. And we've had nurses just deciding to quit their job. We've had nurses being fired. We've had nurses, you know, being suspended. Totally inhumane. And now we're hearing from the Los Angeles Times that hospitals aren't releasing or are reticent to release the number of healthcare workers, including nurses, who have been infected with this virus, who have died from this virus, and who have been tested from this virus. And that's a really important thing that we need to look at. And the LA Times, which has been doing some excellent reporting, and the article that this comes from, and again, I, I think this is really important, is an article called A Blind Spot in Infection Data. I think that's a really good article. Again, it's by a team of reporters that I had read out a couple of days ago or yesterday. Anita Shabria, Harriet Ryan, and et al. A couple of others. Suma Kamyanga, Carla Mangla, and Matt Stiles. These folks have done some excellent reporting and others have. And the article in the LA Times today is called A Blind Spot in Infection Data. I really do uh, urge you to read that one. Hospitals slow to reveal extent of virus spread in medical staff. This is here in California. Great article, actually. I just want to quote one thing from it. Dr. Mark Garley, Governor Newsom's top public health advisor, said Thursday that the well-being of medical workers was, quote, of the highest concern, end quote. But he acknowledged that California does not comprehensively track possible outbreaks at hospitals and other medical facilities and that the state needs to do so. He's also the head of the California Health and Human Services Agency. I think that Dr. Gali should keep pushing these hospitals to release this information, order them to. Because this is something that would be helpful again. The, and I talked about this as well a day or two ago. The lack of transparency that is going on in state government in California. I know Gavin Newsom did a good thing with the undocumented. I thought that was very good. But this lack of transparency is not very good. And it also hurts immigrants, undocumented immigrants. And immigrants as... Gavin Newsom points out foreign-born people make roughly 22% of those here or 27% of those here in California. So a lot more work has to be done and transparency must be had because literally that can save lives. Tears for Fears, Sowing the Seeds of Love. And 
Tears for Fears bassist Kurt Smith recently, along with Diva Smith, his talented daughter, recently did a really wonderful thing. They, as a lot of musicians and celebrities have, have been doing some great musical things, among other things, to keep people's spirits up during these really dire times. And one of the things that they did recently was do a performance, uh, an acoustic, well, acoustic performance of Mad World. Of course, you know that if you are of a certain age, the band Tears for Fears in the 1980s had some really big hits. And into the early 90s, but in the 80s really was where they had their real heyday. And Sowing the Seeds of Love came, I think, a bit later in the 1980s. But you had songs like Shout, Change, Mad World and Mad World was performed recently by Kurt Smith and Diva Smith. And I saw this and it was just so lovely. Kurt Smith is a really decent person too, by the way. And I had tweeted um, about this and he, you know, I mentioned him and he was very kind to like the tweet. And I, of course, followed him because I think it's really good. You know, a lot of celebrities don't do things like that. And I think that that's a nice thing. It's a part of connection. It's a part of what this segment of this episode is about. Sowing the seeds of love, how we continue or or just develop more of that. And it's difficult for some people to do because maybe there are people who have been born into families who don't express love, who don't display love, you know, and it's quite the opposite. They don't, not only don't display love, but... It's the other way. There's a lot of negativity and a lot, sadly, violence and other things that there are some families and people who have grown up with, have lived with. And so it's different for them. But a lot of people in those situations, too, are turning things around and adopting love and, and, and needing love and projecting love. And so one of the things that Kurt Smith and Diva Smith did was record Mad World, and I think it's just a real nice gesture. I'm going to play a little bit of it now. It's just a wonderful thing. Just get ready to listen to this. Of course, the Tears for Fears band did this back in the 80s. I'm dying are the best I've ever had 
I find it hard to tell you Cause I find it hard to take When people run in circles It's a very, very mad world Mad world Mad world Mad world Children waiting for the day they feel good Happy birthday Happy birthday. Just absolutely wonderful. And it, it moves me to play that because it's just amazing stuff from Diva Smith and her father, Kurt Smith, who, as many of you may be aware, is the bassist in the group Tears for Fears, the UK group, the group from, from uh, England. And it's just tremendous stuff. And look, this is what we all can do. If we have a talent... We've got to use it. If we don't have a talent, we've got to harness the things we do have. Mindfulness, the music that we have, the ability to have music in our lives is so important. And books, it's just, these are things we can't do without in this world. And we also can't do without love in this world. You know, these are the engines that drive us. Love is stronger than everything else. It really is. And one of the things that I get uh, buoyed by, you know, hope I'm infused by, is the capacity of people to help each other, whether they're famous or not. You've got in Italy uh, bike riders cycling from place to place helping the needy, the elderly, with groceries, buying things. Italy's beginning to ease up their lockdown. And what you've seen in some of the places, particularly some of the most hardest hit places in northern Italy, are at least one person, a bike rider on his bicycle, was, was going around from place to place, getting groceries and, and supplying them to people in need. And this is happening in places around the world as well, but certainly in some of the hardest hit countries, you are getting these really beautiful acts of kindness and love. And so that is uh, hopeful in this world where we've got a lot of ugliness going on and a lot of fear going on and fear is completely understood. But it's just great to know that there are people out there who are doing things that enrich the soul and fill it with love and hope. And I hope that each and every one of us, including myself, can do the same and have done the same. I know I've reached out to people that I know um, and offered to do things and help. And I'm sure you have as well. You certainly know people who have. So I am hopeful, despite what we're going through and many of us are going through it very, very adversely. Um, but we are eventually going to prevail. It's going to be difficult. It has been difficult. It is difficult. But we will prevail here. Lots of people have sleepless nights. Lots of people. And it's not easy. You may have difficulty sleeping. 
you may be very stressed. So we have to acknowledge those things and look at the things we can do to try to lower stress. Well, one thing is to turn off the television. And I'm talking about not from Netflix or anything like that, but to turn off the television from all the news. I mean, look, I mean, listen to me. I've just given you the better part of the last previous 30 minutes of news that was not good. So, so I guess I should take my own advice there. Um, but I do find that turning off the television um, is a good thing, especially away from this news. All of this news that you're getting. I mean, while the news is necessary, as I pointed out earlier, sitting in front of a television for more than a half an hour to an hour with this news is not good for you. It's not good for your mental health. It's not good to your physical for your physical health. It is not good for your well-being overall. So it is at these times that Netflix and social media, well, social media is another story as well. I mean, I... I don't know that that's a good idea either, quite frankly. And although there are some important stories that you see in social media, but I think it's at this time that you reach out to people, reach out to people you know, reach out to your family if they are not with you. Connect with them, you know, call them, chat with them on video chats. It is important. We need to be able to connect with each other. And it's difficult not to be able to touch someone. And I'm going to, sometime in the next few days, talk more about that element of things. But it is really difficult in these times not to be able to hug somebody that you love or hug somebody that you has gotten through, gotten you through a tough time in the past. To connect with the people physically that you love, physically your partner, if that partner has coronavirus. It's difficult. So we are going to get through this. We will. Just remember to wash your hands if you can. If you've got water and soap to wash them with, wherever you may be, remember to do that. And remember, if you can, and if you have the means, to wear some kind of covering over your face specifically your nose and your mouth, and around your chin and neck if you can. But particularly, first and foremost, your nose and your mouth. I was really moved. And I'll tell you why. I had written something on the blog that I have called Politocrat, and it's at politocrat.politics.blog, by the way. And on March the 31st, I wrote a story entitled, What is the DNC doing right now to fight Trump? Little it seems. And in that article, I talked about the lack of democratic response, response from the Democratic Party to these daily campaign briefings, the really campaign rallies from Trump that were full of lies and still are full of lies. And I was saying, where was the pushback? Turns out Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House, has for the last three weeks been doing interviews. You know, shame on me for not noticing that. But 
That started just around the time that I had written this story. I'm not trying to say that me writing this story is the reason. What I am saying is, is that Speaker Pelosi is leading. And I'm really pleased about this. I was moved by it, actually. And I tweeted out from my account at the popcorn, R-E-E-L, a series of tweets from Speaker Pelosi over the last day or so, where she has been talking about what Democrats need to do and has also been pointing out where Donald Trump has failed and where he's lied. And you really should go to my Twitter page or to Nancy Pelosi's, Speaker Pelosi's Twitter page, at Speaker Pelosi, P-E-L-O-S-I, at Speaker Pelosi. She has a whole list of tweets over the last three days where she is very clear about where the truth is. You know, the economy handed to Donald Trump is now a disaster. The strong economy handed to him is now a disaster. I mean, this is the kind of pushback that is needed. The truth is that we did not have proper testing available in March, despite Trump repeatedly claiming that we did. That is the kind of messaging on Twitter, but also in interviews that she's been doing on national television that are definitely going to help and show people that the Democratic Party is actually responding to all of this. Here is a portion of something she did with James Corden on the Late Late Show here in San Francisco, where she lives. This is um, part of that. So listen to this. It's about 45 seconds. And the denial caused deaths, and that's just the way it is. So we right now would hope that they would have learned from their mistakes. And so you can be sort of say, okay, let's go forward and work. Uh, well-informed, scientific-based way. But if they're not going to do that, I think it's really important that we declare that we must. The scientists must speak out. Some of us who didn't want to appear political, wanted to do this bipartisan, nonpartisan way, are finding out that not to speak is very political uh, because it is costing lives because of any uh, concern we may have of not appearing political. Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, actually one of her great moments here. And she's had a few and she's had some that aren't so great. I think that that is leadership right there. This is the time to speak up and Democrats are finally doing that and have been actually, if the truth be told, for the last three weeks since I've written this article. It's interesting that that has happened. It's probably a complete coincidence. I would not be that egotistical to, to suggest that they listen to me. This is really good stuff from Speaker Pelosi. And you can go and follow her at Speaker Pelosi on Twitter. Really good that she is doing this. And the New York Times did an article on this as well, that uh, Speaker Pelosi has been given something like 50 interviews over the last week, a week or two, three weeks or so, uh, 50 to 60 or whatever, maybe even more than that. But the Times has picked this up Chuck Schumer, the Senate leader, the majority, the minority. Well, he soon will be the majority leader um, in the Senate um, next year, I think, because the Senate is going to go to Democratic hands. And um, that I have no doubt about. Democrats are outraising Republicans. They're outspending them. They're out fundraising them. This is happening in races all over the country, particularly in these key races in South Carolina, North Carolina, 
in, in Arizona, certainly in Maine. I think, I mean, Susan Collins is going to be a goner in Maine because you've got Sarah Gideon up there. And I didn't mention her the other day in the list of people who um, are in critical races. Sarah Gideon, you've got Jamie Harrison in South Carolina up against Lindsey Graham. He outraised Lindsey Graham by miles in the last month or two. And I'm telling you, it's going to continue. Mark Kelly out in Arizona up against Martha McSally. And I'm telling you right there, she is going to be losing her seat. That is going to happen. So there, and there's other ones as well. Um, George Hicken, uh, John Hickenlooper up against Cory Gardner. I think Cory Gardner's in trouble there as a Republican. So look, these are all things that we can draw positives from. And Chuck Schumer now is assuming the mantle basically of Senate leader, majority leader. We know what Mitch McConnell isn't doing. He is not leading. That's what he is doing. He's not leading. Chuck Schumer is. Democrats will not stop fighting for money for small businesses and hospitals and healthcare providers and testing and our state and local governments. And he also tweeted out something last night. Democrats are laying out our $30 billion plan for a comprehensive national testing strategy and major new investments that bolster the supply and manufacturing chain and significantly expand free testing for all reporting and contact tracing. That is huge. 5.9 thousand people have retweeted that. That's at Sen Schumer on Twitter. Schumer spelled S as in Sam, C-H-U-M as in Mike, E-R. Sen Schumer. S-E-N Schumer on Twitter. Retweet that I have on my Twitter handle, the popcorn, R-E-E-L. That is really great. The Democratic Party are fighting for you. This idea that the Democrats aren't doing anything, oh, do nothing Democrats, just not true. The media may not be covering it the way they should be because they cover Republicans all the time. Because Republicans are going to say something outrageous and stupid and false. But it's really good to know that the media are beginning to cover Speaker Pelosi's statements. She's going on the air and she's going on live TV, national TV. She's going on all kinds of shows. This is what needs to be done. Every day she is um, responding to these lies, not just on Twitter, but on television where most people are watching. So I am really happy to hear this. And it moves me that there is leadership, that there is genuine love here. Yes, it's politics. I know that Speaker Pelosi is saying that it's not politics. This is about life and death, and it is about life and death. But there's also, sadly, but truthfully, politics involved in all of this. This is an election year. And that's why I pointed out in the story I wrote that Democrats are even more called upon <laughs> to raise the alarm and fight back on these issues with Donald Trump getting two hours on live television every day to lie to you. And I think the media should stop covering him live and start to cover Nancy Pelosi, Speaker Pelosi live all the time. They are in some instances, but this needs to happen daily. But Speaker Pelosi is ramping up the um, responses to Trump daily. So I think that's very, very encouraging. 
And I look at this as an act of love. It's leadership, but it's also love. I mean, love is in looking out for the general health and welfare of people in this country. And I hope that governments are doing this all over the world as well. Obviously, some of them are not. We know about Narendra Modi. And we know about people like Viktor Orban in Hungary, who has been absolutely disgraceful. So has Jair Bolsonaro in Brazil. You know, he fired his health minister yesterday because the health minister said that opening up Brazil would be a disaster and that he does not support opening Brazil again. And for that, the dictator Jair Bolsonaro fired him. Just absolutely ridiculous. But there are leaders who are doing things in a very loving way because they care. Taraji P. Henson this week, and I must give more praise to her for her helping black communities all over the country here in the U.S. with free mental health therapy through her late father's Boris L. Henson Foundation. I just think that Taraji P. Henson is an absolute godsend for doing this. Of course, she is the actor and producer and, you know, somebody who's an activist, a humanitarian, and she's just been absolutely brilliant. These are acts of love, things like this. And the gestures don't have to be even as big as those. They could be something small. And why not record yourself singing in the shower? Not with a camera, no video camera. <laughs> record yourself. It doesn't have to be a shower either, actually. Scrap that. <laughs> That's not a good idea. Sing. Sing something, if you can. Even if you don't sing it well. If you sing it badly. If you have the worst singing voice on the planet. Sing. If you can. If you are able to. And post it on YouTube, post it on Twitter, post it on Instagram, post it on Twitch, post it on wherever you post. Make it happen. Connect to people. This is going to be the thing that we're going to have to keep doing. Acts of love. Acts of kindness, acts of care. And I am really convinced that despite all of these very painful situations, there will be people who will be able to practice the empathy, the love and the compassion that we all must have. And that's my wish on this day. We have so many other good things going on with people that you haven't even heard of who are helping people in need. You've got doctors who are doing things for charity. You know, you've heard about these doctors who 
are quacks. You know who they are. I'm not even going to mention their names. They've been getting a lot of oxygen lately. But what about this doctor who is an actual doctor? Out of New York City. Dr. Elvis. I mean, Dr. Elvis is somebody that we should be getting a lot more publicity about. He is a spine surgeon in training. He's a doctor at the, um, the Mayo Clinic resident. He will soon be a Harvard Spine Fellow. This guy is also a Johns Hopkins MBA candidate. So he's got his business degree coming. He's from Haiti originally. Dr. Elvis Francois is one of the other people, many other people doing the great work that is life-affirming. They are actually, re he's a resident doctor at the Mayo Clinic in Minnesota, actually. I mean, this is, um, this is really good stuff. The, these are the kinds of things that, again, give us joy and love and connection. It is just fascinating that that out of all this pain and tragedy, something good can come and will continue to come. 34 years old, Dr. Elvis, he's cutting an EP to aid COVID-19 fund. The Center of Disaster Philanthropy COVID-19 Response Fund will get all the proceeds from an EP that he is releasing of his um, songs. And this is going to be released, being released today. It has been released today. So that is just another really good thing. And he's done things, sing songs, he's been singing songs like Lean On Me and Imagine. Lean On Me, of course, is the Bill Withers song. Bill Withers, of course, passed away um, late last month and we found out about it a week or two ago. And he sings the song, as I said, by John Lennon, Imagine. And this is just absolutely wonderful stuff. I mean, this is what it's all about. Imagine there's no heaven. It's easy if you try. Imagine all the people 
That was just a part of Imagine, as sung by Dr. Elvis Francois, who is a resident doctor at the Mayo Clinic in Minnesota. Multi-talented, skilled, and somebody who is uplifting a lot of people right now, not just here in the United States, but all around the globe with that beautiful rendition of John Lennon's song. Let's continue to love during these times of lots of pain. I'm Omar Moore. Thank you for listening to The Politocrat. <laughs>